Welcome on in and happy Thursday. It's the Locked on Syracuse podcast. We're going to get into, it's been a hot button, water cooler topic for everyone. What is the coaching situation looking like for Syracuse for next season? Coach O's on the market. Can we get a little Sean Lewis love? Maybe a little reunion with <laughs> Doug Marone. We're going to talk about what the coaching framework looks like for next season. Also, get you primed up on Virginia Tech and how this matchup should play out down in Blacksburg. That is all coming up next on the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You are Locked on Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and thank you for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen every single day. Tyler Aki, Tim Leonard with you here. We are free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. Be sure to subscribe there. Even if you're subscribed to us on Apple, Spotify, throw us a review there as well. And rate the pod. Give us five stars. Bump bump the algorithm, as they like to say. Bump us to the top <laughs> of the Syracuse podcast. But also check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We love interacting and chatting with you guys all day there as well. Let's start with coaching, Tim, because the, the hot name right now on the coaching blocks is Coach O. I know he said he's not going to coach next season, but... At the end of the day, I'll believe it when I see it with all these coaches. I mean, find me an honest coach in the world of coaching, right? That, that's that's yeah. You're not going to find very many of them, but Cocho is the name that comes to to mind when you think back to when Dino was originally hired at Syracuse. Cocho was one of the hot button names. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think that him being on the market is still a good thing for Syracuse. Should there be some sort of movement this year? Yeah, I mean, the guy is probably a little too high pedigree, a little too high of a cost right now for Syracuse. I guess the idea of him maybe sitting out next year, if anything, increases Syracuse's chances because we're going to get into it. But I don't feel like Dino Babers is going to be on the mark or Syracuse is going to be looking for a head coach next year. So when everyone got all excited and said, oh, man, Coach O might be on the market next year, what could that mean? We've talked about a lot. The buyout number just feels kind of too high to ignore and too high for Syracuse to make a move after this year. And who knows how they finish up this year. That still remains to be seen as well. And that could have some sort of say on where Dino Babers is at and where the fan base thinks he's at. Because obviously right now it has been a very frustrating three and four start to the season in terms of coaching and how yeah. much people have been upset with Dino Babers. Exactly. So in terms of the scenario where Dino Babers is not head coach of Syracuse next year, I think there's there's a little bit of calculus that goes into here. Andy Pregler over at Noon's Magician laid it out pretty nicely based off of a podcast. The I think it's called the, the Split Zone or the Split Duo, something yeah. like that podcast. They laid it out nicely how the buyout is probably too big. But I think everything does have a tipping point. I want to know from you how bad – does it have to be the rest of the year for Dino to not be back in 2022? Well, I think back to remember when we had Stephen Bailey on as a little preview to this season. And he basically was like, yeah, I mean, with the buyout figure at what we think it is right now, it would require like the coach just completely losing the locker room or a one win season again or something like that. I honestly don't know if there's a scenario as it stands right now, having already three wins in your pocket, being relatively competitive in these games that they've lost, which I guess kind of goes hand in hand because at the same time, you could point to Dino Babers as the reason why they've lost this game. And I get it. Fans probably want to just cut ties with him. I'm kind of in that group as well. 
But if we're just talking about not my like personal feelings and we're talking mm-hmm. about what is John Wildhack going to do, I don't know if there's a scenario this year where Dino isn't the coach going into next year. I mean, he's already got three wins and it seems like the buyout number, which was done a good job of sort of laying out where it is. I think it was mm-hmm. basically like in the five to $10 million yeah. neighborhood mm-hmm. is what Noon's magician concluded there. That's a high number given the COVID times and Syracuse has been pretty honest about where their finances are at right now. And given the fact that you're not a big football power, you're not bringing in major football dollars like some of these other programs that like, like an LSU, I don't remember, I don't know what Coach O's buyout is, but it, it's a hell of a lot more, I'm guessing, than five yeah. to 10 million. So um, yeah, you don't have that in, in the budget right now. I'll say this. I think that there is a scenario where he isn't the head coach next year, but I'm with you. I think he's probably bought himself enough. Uh, I, I won't say enough wins because if they go, if they go winless the rest of the way, and that's not out of the question either that they go winless the rest of the way, then I think there's a way to maybe maneuver out and at least talk your way out of having Dino Babers as the head coach next season. Cause when you look at the numbers and you look at the resume that he's put together as the head coach of Syracuse, I mean, it ain't pretty right now. He's 13 and 32 in the ACC and 27 and 40 overall. Those guys, that record does not get you seven years usually. Right. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating too, because they're playing Virginia tech and Justin Fuente this week. And they came in Justin Fuente is in his sixth year at the program as well. Came in at the same time. Dino beat him in year one. We all remember when they were 20 point dogs or some guy in Vegas had them down Mm -hmm. by 20 as Dino jokes. So there have been some highs with Dino, but I mean, it's really been a a tough sledding as we all know the past couple years to the point that if the buyout wasn't there, I think they would have fired him by now, but that buyout combined with the pandemic combined with the fact that too, as they stand right now, now it depends on your outlook of the rest of the season. Some people are optimistic. Some fans are pessimistic when they look at the schedule. But I would say this is probably the second most competitive team that Dino has had, which is kind of sad saying that. But the way yeah. that they are playing, and it's sad that they're still somehow winless in ACC play given the close games, but they beat a Liberty that was arguably a ranked team or a quality opponent. And they almost beat Clemson. Like they've looked relatively good here that if they finish the season with some glimmer of sort of putting the pieces together and you have something with Schrader and Tucker going forward, then it's easy for John Wildhack to kind of answer the questions in the offseason or a little bit easier than it is as it stands right now. I just look at it as okay, let's say let's say they win one more game the rest of the way. The Boston let's say they win Boston College the rest of the way, okay? That's the only win they have the rest of the year. Last three seasons, your best win is Liberty. I mean, that's a pretty tough sell for why you should be back as a head coach when you're going to the AD for your performance review at the end of the season. Yeah, like anytime you look at his performance and the numbers and his resume, it screams a coach that should have already been fired or is definitely firmly on the hot seat. But Well, it's everything against his mantra, right? It's what, What does he always say? consistently good, not occasionally great. He's been consistently good one of six this year. Well, he's been occasionally great one of six, really. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. No, I totally agree. Like, if the buyout hadn't happened, then he would have been fired by now, or he would definitely probably be looking at being fired this offseason. 
but I just want Syracuse fans to understand that the buyout did happen. And based on what we're hearing, based on comments from this podcast, like anytime you talk to people that are in the know about this situation, I bring up Stephen Bailey and he, he definitely has some ties to the football program. I don't know if he was sourced when he was saying that it didn't seem like it, but the point of the matter is like people that understand what the buyout figure could be and what the situation is understand that it's very unlikely that he's going to be fired after this year, unfortunately. Which is sad. It just shows how low the standard is at Syracuse for, for a guy with this record to still be able to, to roam the sidelines. Because I will say this though. You might not be able to buy out Dino Babers. That doesn't mean that Sterling Gilbert's coming back. I, I have a, a strong yeah. inclination that he will not be back. I don't know about and Dino you. has done that in the past. He's right. moved on from coordinators pretty quickly. He's moved and on Tony in season. White was a good hire. Right. So, I mean, it's – and listen, it's not like it's an necessarily an unenviable situation to come in. If you If you find an offensive coordinator that likes – what he sees in Garrett Schrader knows how to use Garrett Schrader thinks he might have something there. Maybe knows how to tweak some mechanics. I mean, you're walking into a situation still young. I mean, he's still got a lot of time to grow potentially. I know that it's feels like it can't really be the case because his mechanics is so far off, but you're right. Like there's still time that as Garrett Schrader stands right now, he's not a finished product. And that I will say this sort of the pitch it's, an offensive coordinator isn't going to walk into this situation, isn't going to want to walk into this situation given that O line, that receiving core, and the fact that the running back could bowl after a year. That is not yeah. uh, an enviable spot to be in. So, all right, we'll get into some Virginia Tech stuff in just a little bit. But first, we've been telling you for a few weeks now all about Sweat Block, these wipes that stop sweat for seven days. And it seems like people have been listening. We have friends of Locked On who have tried Sweat Block and absolutely love it. Let's just go to a Hollywood producer here. Straight out of Hollywood, they've been working on the set of a Marvel movie that maybe you've heard of. She was working 18-hour days for weeks in the Atlanta heat. Not fun. She heard about Sweatblock, started trying it, and loves it. No more sweaty production days, and she even reports that one of the A-list actors uses it. Can you believe that, Tim? One of the A-list actors on a Marvel set is using Sweatblock. They stay dry on set, and they stay dry on the red carpet as well. Stop excessive sweating for up to seven days. It's doctor-created, doctor-recommended, and it gives you a dry shirt guarantee. If it doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's not just for armpits, chest, back, feet, hands. Use it anywhere that sweats. If you or someone you care about is dealing with excessive sweat, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Getting into Virginia Tech a little bit here. This is a matchup that sort of worries me because I can see this thing going one of two ways. I, I, I think this could be one of those games where the Syracuse offense either comes down to earth, struggles a little bit, or I could see them blowing out Virginia Tech. I really don't see... Some sort of middle yeah. ground where Syracuse wins by 10 here. 
Well, they're actually kind of similar teams, right? Because Virginia Tech's offense has been their bugaboo and their quarterback play has been very hit or miss. And Braxton Burmeister is kind of the only guy they have right now because of injuries. So he's the guy they're rolling with. He's the guy that was the transfer from Oregon last year that started a couple games. He's looked good in flashes. I mean, against North Carolina to start the season in week one, they pick up this big win. It looks like Virginia Tech might be finding something on offense. You fast forward to last week where they host Pitt, and Pitt, for whatever reason, has been Justin Fuente's nemesis. They've always seemed to get blown out by them. They're at home. They're like five-point dogs, and they get completely blown out, and Burmeister looks terrible, and a lot of people are wondering, was the injury that he had against Notre Dame a factor in that? But the bottom line is that these two teams are pretty good defensively and really struggling right now at times to find their offensive identity. I mm-hmm. would even say Syracuse is probably, I mean, they have an offensive well, I think, identity. Yeah, they have you know the identity. It it's just, they, right. it's just what you could have an identity, but sometimes you need to stray from said identity to win football games. And when Syracuse exactly. strays, they can't win. Yeah. And the weird thing about Virginia tech is they still kind of hit on some explosive plays from time to time. And looking at Burmeister's stats, he actually, if you look at like his pro football focus numbers, he grades a lot better when he's throwing deep and compared to short passes. So kind of the opposite of Garrett Schrader, his short pass grade, like 10 yards and in is a 56.2 deep 20 plus yard passes. He's a 70.9 grade. And this is what Virginia tech did a lot under Justin Fuente last year. They were second in the nation in explosive play rate. Syracuse has been really good at preventing explosive plays though. So I think that's a big key to this game. Will Virginia tech be able to hit some deep passes that they haven't hit in recent games. And will Syracuse who, well, the numbers say they've been very good against explosive play so far this year. This is going to be a different type of test, kind of like Wake Forest, and they did get beat over the top. Like Deuce and Garrett Williams, I really like them, but they have gotten beat a couple yeah. times this mm-hmm. year on deep passes. And Jason Simmons has had his issues at times, too. I mean, yeah. you've got young players in the secondary, and you thought Jason Simmons might be the guy who is kind of there to solidify things, and at times he's been the one rocking the boat. And that, to me – has has really led to some struggles defensively, especially late in games. Um, but look, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the UNC game because I think for Virginia Tech, that's their formula to win this football game. If they can play this as a very low-scoring game, they're going to give themselves a chance and probably beat Syracuse. Like If they can play this the way that Rutgers played Syracuse, I really like Virginia Tech's chances. But if Syracuse gets off to the races and starts running, I mean – If this is a track meet, heavy advantage Syracuse. It goes the other way. Yeah, and I'm sort of leaning towards maybe even picking Syracuse in an upset here. I really don't think Virginia Tech scares me in their current state that much. I know that they are hungry. They're urgent for a win as well. They're actually still kind of involved in the Coastal Division race just because the Coastal has been so wacky this year. And this is definitely a game they need to win because they've got a lot of road games coming up. But Jermaine Waller, their top cornerback, is battling an injury. Don't really know his status. And I don't know if Burmeister is totally matter. healthy. That's the thing is, is with a cornerback, does it matter for Virginia Tech if you're missing a top-level corner like that? Syracuse isn't going to yeah, beat you well, with the pass. Yes, but at the same time, like we saw last year when Virginia Tech lost a couple corners, all of a sudden their defense was getting completely beat and they were averaging like 32 points per game. I think it was last year that their defense gave up, which is the most they've given up since the seventies. So but does it now matter they're in the second year of the system? But. If you're not going to challenge the corner, it's not going to matter a whole heck of a lot. 
That's that's my logic there. And, and I, I well, think it's not that, like they don't pass at all. I mean, I, I hear you like well, we're so, not oh, a well, pass let's, let's get, team. Let's get something straight here. Syracuse isn't passing the ball 37 times like they did last week. I, I would expect a lot no. of running play. I would expect, I mean, you want to get back to the Sean Tucker 30 touches? This is a game to get back to it because they can be a flimsy running defense as well. And I will say this, Syracuse, even when they go up against some bad run defenses, they, they've they still lost the football games. I mean, you look at the, the Wake Forest game and the Florida State game. You're beating the brakes off of teams with, with 239 rushing yards and 354 rushing yards, and you're still losing both of those football games. You need some sort yeah. of complementary offense here. And, and if well, you're not is, getting it here, like, right, then you're probably, not, if you're not getting complementary offense here, you're not going to get it the rest of the season. And you probably won't win think, a game the rest right. of the season. Yeah. This to me is like where we find out how, like, maybe legit's not the right word for the Syracuse offense, but. What we've seen so far, and I'm talking about just Garrett Schrader, because since they've made the switch to Garrett Schrader, they've been a much like more competent football team for sure. Mm-hmm. And when they made that switch, Liberty did pretty well. Then what was next? Florida State, Florida State. did pretty well on offense, scored 30 points or whatever. Wake Forest did solid on offense against a bad defense. But Clemson, the really good defense, they struggled. Now Virginia Tech, I would say, is closer to the Clemson scale defensively than the Wake Forest Florida State scale. Mm-hmm. So is Syracuse's offense going to put up like 20 points or are they going to be able to run because anyone but Clemson, they can put put up points on? You can maybe make that argument right now. I mean, they put up points in three of the four games so far, but the question is when you go up against what is pretty much like a B-plus defense here, can they keep it up? Yeah, we'll get into some of the keys in just a second. But first, let me tell you about rockauto.com, a proud sponsor of this episode. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers and phones with with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Why spend 30, 50, sometimes even a 100% 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years now. Their prices are always going to be reliably low for every single customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they've got available for your car or truck. Just be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Again, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out rockauto.com also want to tell you guys about betonline.ag they've got a new web interface for the start of basketball season more props odds and lines than ever before and they remain your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code that's locked on all one word they get you that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit for basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC. What a great time for sports right now. What a great time to be betting over at betonline.ag. They even have your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is your fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the games start. 
So taking a look at some of the keys to beating Virginia Tech in this one, I, I think it's pretty simple. You turn this thing into a fast running track meet. Now I think you're gonna have to pass the ball to a certain degree here. Garrett Trader's probably gonna have to play one of his best games as a member of the Syracuse football team as a quarterback, not as a rusher, as a quarterback. Because if you start throwing the ball around the yard against this Virginia Tech team, then I really like your chances. I just haven't seen a single game this season where we've seen the ball get thrown around. Right. So I did some digging on the PFF numbers under pressure, kind of comparing Tommy DeVito, Garrett Schrader. And I tweeted this out and I said in the tweet and anyone, I guess, as you're listening to me here, sort of rattle off some of these stats, you could pull up our tweet and sort of look at it. That would make it even easier, probably. But I said in the tweet, like, obviously, Garrett Schrader is going to be better under pressure than Tommy DeVito. There's no denying that just in his playing style. But when you look at the numbers, the thing that I found interesting is that Basically, in DeVito's career, he has been sacked on 31.6% of times he's been under pressure. Schrader's been sacked 17.8% of times so far this year, just in his Syracuse career. His grade under pressure is about 10 points better, a 52.8 compared to DeVito's 42.8 when they're both under pressure. But the thing that's really interesting is dropbacks under pressure this year for Garrett Schrader, 45% of the time he's been under pressure when he has dropped back. Tommy DeVito in his career, going back to 2018 at Syracuse, was under pressure just 34% of the time when he dropped back. Still a high number, but I guess that sort of showed me that we we look at this team and we think, oh, the offensive line has been a lot better this year. Pass protection really has probably, if anything, been even worse so far, and maybe that's a small sample size and some tough teams they've played, but Virginia Tech's probably going to get to Schrader here. He's actually just done a better job of not getting sacked, and it sort of proves that going with Schrader was the right move, in my opinion, because this offensive line hasn't magically gotten better, and DeVito probably right. would still be struggling with and, that. And the sad part is is that not only is, is the pressure way up, I would I don't have the numbers in front of me. I guess the blitzing is way down. It too. is. Yeah, I looked at that, too. DeVito was getting blitzed, like, I don't know, 30% of the time. Schrader's getting blitzed right now about 17% of the time. That's insane. And I think he's... He's only been sacked four out of the 27 times he's been blitzed, which is, again, just having the ability to scramble a little bit. Although more, I will but... say this. I think that number's a little a little off, and here's why. Because he gets, he gets credited with a rush for those times when he moves up in the pocket and just falls at the line of scrimmage. He gets credited with a rush, and it's not a sack. That's what you'll see in the box score and the play-by-play. Yeah. Play. I don't know if it's a hometown score or what, but it's probably like, what do you say? He's been sacked four times this year. It's probably yeah. closer to like eight when or he's 10. been blitzed. Yeah. 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 But it's so to kind of compare and contrast Syracuse right now, no teams are blitzing us and that hasn't always been the case, but they're just not blitzing this year or they're blitzing a lot less right around that 17% range, probably because they understand Schrader can get away from it a little bit and they understand they can get enough pressure on the quarterback and stack the box enough given the situation. And maybe that's just because we're running the ball more too, that contributes to that numbers. But I think it's only dropbacks. The comparing and contrasting Braxton Burmeister is getting blitz tons for Virginia yeah. tech, 49% of dropbacks. He's getting blitz. So teams are trying to get after him and trying to put pressure on him because that has been a recipe to making him struggle. Right. And, and listen, I like the way that Tony White has dialed up some of the blitz packages when he sends in guys like Marlo Wax, Michael Jones. He, he's made some splash plays and I'd like to see him dial up some pressure because there aren't a lot of offensive weapons that scare me on Virginia Tech. And that to me is sort of a advantage. Tony White advantage that system 
that he's drawn up. The 3-3-5 has been fantastic. Part of the reason why I love this defense so much, they're playing defense. And what I mean by that is they're not relying on turnovers and splash plays to really solidify themselves. They're relying on being able to stuff guys at the line of scrimmage, winning in the trenches, and getting to the quarterback. That, to me, is a far superior sign of a defense than a defense that's coming away with 16 to 20 picks in a season. Yeah, and shout-out to Cody Roscoe, by the way, too. I know that he got some well-deserved like midseason All-American nominees and selections this week, but I don't know. Maybe it's just sort of gone under the radar, but as it stands right now, he's like kind of in the ACC Defensive Player of the Year conversation just based on statistics. I don't think he'll end up getting it, but he's right up there in terms of sacks and tackles for loss and everything. And he was a guy that I think we we tabbed as a sleeper candidate this year. But going into the season, if you would have picked, all right, who's going to be the potential ACC Defensive Player of the Year candidate from Syracuse? I'd love to see the named... bet online AG odds there. Yeah, right. You I could mean, retire it might have tomorrow. Been six, seven guys before we even thought about Cody Roscoe. So he has really been a revelation for them. Yeah, that, that, yeah, he's been fantastic. And, and let's remember, he's sort of in that that reserve role, too, because of the injuries that have played the defensive line throughout this season. So he's certainly been fantastic this year. Got to shout him out because without him, I mean, he's been one of the guys that's been getting to the quarterback consistently. Yeah. You always see him in that backfield. You always hear the announcer calling his name on hits, pressures, all that stuff. So shout out to Cody Roscoe, definitely. All right, tomorrow on the show, it's going to be your usual Fridays. We're going to get you... The Bundos Digits, the Prop Shop, our spread and game picks. We'll also do a little more diving into this Virginia Tech team as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll have more Virginia Tech with you tomorrow.